Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. So, welcome to church. Before Pastor John shares the first message in the Breakfast Gobbler series, I just want to take a minute to chat a bit about culture. In our new series graphic, we have a quote just below it that was famously said by Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you can plan and strategize all you want, but it all comes down to culture. And I bet many of you can think of examples when you've seen this happen, where culture eats, where culture eats strategy for breakfast. Or maybe the opposite, where the reason that you go somewhere or you shop somewhere is because of the culture. I've seen this in the fitness and the running world done very, very well. They are a family and they encourage each other to be better. They even have this invitational culture to bring friends and to strengthen each other. And even when we often hear so many of us say that we're too busy to add more to their weeks, they do. They are invested in the culture and the mission and they make times in the week fit into their fitness plans. So culture is important and no different with the church. You can see this happen, church. Culture in churches is everything. So let me tell you about a little story about Home Depot. I think most of us know this place. So Home Depot, about 20 years ago, they decided to try something new. So everyone who knows about their orange aprons, right? And they're all out there trying to help people, help and assist the homeowners. Well, they had that market down and they decided, okay, now we wanna go after the contractors. We've got this homeowners market, which is absolutely fantastic, but we want to go after the contractors. We want to pull them in to make more money. Well, unfortunately, in order to do that, they laid off a bunch of these wonderful people with orange aprons and put more money and time into creating parking spaces and parking areas and a whole part of the store just for contractors. So their culture had always been about the do-it-yourselfer and they decided to put strategy on top of that. And this totally clashed with their image. They suffered, actually big time. They had one of the largest drops in retail history. It was so severe. And they ruined this amazing culture that had taken so long to build. Now, of course, they brought in a new CEO after the drop and the new CEO says, okay, wait a second, we need to go back to our roots or what I like to call the best DNA of our company. What is the best thing about us? What do our customers truly value about us? And well, that of course ended up being attention to the homeowners and to the do-it-yourselfers and taking care of them. And they went back to that because strategy and culture are split, if they're split, everything suffers and you just waste time and money in this case. And so I think I need to explain to you what culture is. Culture is all the things that happen that were not a part of the rules, right? So it's how people behave when you're not looking. 
And that's what culture is not about. It's not about me telling people to do something. It's about what actually happens. And it's very often unconscious. And if that culture clashes with the strategy and where you want to go, it's like a zipper and it just becomes completely undone. And part of the secret, part of the key for us in culture is to think about making sure that whatever our plans are or our strategies are, work within the culture. The culture is like a thousand unconscious habits. So it's not something that you can just change overnight, but you can make a, but it can make a really big difference. And each of us, every one of us at the neighborhood church are responsible for helping strengthen the culture of our church. You are responsible for strengthening this church, using your gifts and your abilities to encourage others to do so as well. So like Home Depot, I believe that we need to go back to our roots. To the first century church. What if the radical thinking, the path forward, does not actually lie ahead of us, but in our deepest roots? The first century church, they were forward thinking. They were moving. There was movement that brought change. They met regularly in homes. They inspired one another. They did life together. It wasn't about an institution or a focus on themselves or inward thinking. It was about others. So what is church? Right now in this time, we've really been questioning that. What is the role that the church plays? What it's, what's its place during this time, in this year? Some think it might be all about weekend services. Let's just get back to church as, as usual, and that's where, it at, where it's at. But some also think that it has absolutely nothing to do with that. And then there's some that think it has a little bit to do with both. But what I can tell you, and this I can say with confidence, is church is people. We are a body, a living-in-this-world body, all with parts to play. The church is a movement This is us, whether we can meet on the weekend or not. My friends, there's going to come a day that we will not be able to meet. Look at the past few months. We've seen that, but we can be together. We are together always, even when we're apart. Pastor John last week had shared our come in, grow up, reach out culture that we want to be the DNA of the neighborhood church, which I think is great. And it really does reflect the first century church. Bringing people in, this invitational culture, maturing and growing together, holding each other accountable, and then reaching out to people in your families, in your life, in your community. See, when I think of the first century church, now don't get me wrong, I know they had all types of issues going on, they weren't perfect, just like us, but this is what I see that I want to be our DNA, our culture. I saw movement, moving forward, change, inspiring, inspiring each other to serve and to educate one one another, continuous community. I saw relationships. Every relationship that's vertical should affect horizontal. So God influences our human relationships. This unity, this one body, equal in this life together. We We should be people who are full of compassion and love and forgiveness And not about getting, but about giving. They were relevant. How can we serve and teach 
to the needs to our community? How is it relevant to our community? And sometimes this means what we've always known needs to change. We aren't trying to polish Christians, remember. We are looking to fill others with hope. We need to meet them where they're at. They invested in people. We're a body of Christ. We need to invest in each other with gifts and talents, unique to you, but needed by all those who surround you in your life. When you thrive, others thrive. The best thing the church can do is invest in people. Help each other find their purpose, find our gifts, and create a community around that. Each strengthening one another and encouraging one another. And the last one, make a difference. We need to not just feel empowered, but expect this out of every one of us. No seat warmers, none. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And last week, Pastor John reminded us that this isn't just you in your boat with a fishing rod. That's not that kind of fishing. It's this net fishing, following Jesus and evangelism all together, all of us. We need us all together to do this. Nets bring in so many more fish at once. So we all have an important part to play in the church culture here at the Neighborhood Church. And I challenge you today to think about how you can start doing that. Remember what I said about culture. It's not what you tell people to do. It's not about the plans or the goals that we have. It's not the strategy. It's not what you, we say is going to be a part of the DNA and the culture, but it's what actually happens. And we need every one of us living out this culture. So now it's time for Pastor John. He's going to start with the very first, uh, first message in the Breakfast Gobbler series. God bless you. Well, thank you, Pastor Yasmin, for that good introduction to this series, The Breakfast Gobbler. Let's get right into it today and talk about our church and our culture. So the first thing that we're really going to work hard on as a church is all of us are going to exalt and enjoy God. I think it's really important for us to start here. All of us are going to exalt and enjoy God. I'm not saying that uh, we're going to study it. I'm not saying we're going to talk about it. We are going to do it. We are going to be known as individuals and a church that exalts and enjoys God. This is deeply rooted in church history. We've talked about it a little bit here already in the last couple of months. Westminster Shorter Catechism. First question, what is the chief end of man? And the answer, because that's how catechisms are set up, questions followed by answers. The answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We as a church are going to exalt God and we are going to enjoy God. That's what we're here for. 1 Corinthians 10. And verse number 31, uh, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, whether you eat, drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We, my friends, are here to exalt God. We are here to uh, glorify God. 
Why do we come to church? To glorify God, to exalt God. Why do we volunteer to work in the nursery? To exalt God. Why do we serve as an usher? To exalt God. Why do we give to missions? We give to missions to exalt God. We help with audiovisual. We come to church early and begin practicing for worship long before anybody else shows up to, to exalt God, to glorify God. We greet at the door. We open our homes for neighborhood groups to exalt God. We are going to do everything we do to exalt God. We, as a church, are going to have a culture where the exaltation of God, the glorification of God, really, really matters to us. So how do we do that? I think we get some hints in uh, Psalm 99. Psalm 99, and I'd encourage you to even open your Bibles up uh, to look at that. And the first thing we learn in Psalm 99 is we exalt God by, number one, lifting him up. We exalt God by lifting him up. Uh, New American Standard Version reads like this, verse number five, Psalm 99, exalt the Lord our God. The word exalt has Latin roots and it talks about lifting up. So we lift him up. Now, of course, that's not literal. We don't somehow try to get under God and lift him up. It's impossible. What we do is we recognize the greatness of God, uh, the exceptional hugeness and majesty and power of God, and we draw attention to that with our deeds and our words. We are always coming back to exalting him, recognizing his greatness and proclaiming it. Psalm 99 and, and verse number one says uh, one of the ways we accomplish that is we recognize that the Lord reigns and we declare that he is reigning. Loved uh, the verse we got exposed to in one of our prayers uh, times this week. I think it was Monday morning, our 10 a.m. prayer meeting. And uh, Sister Christine Jones was talking about God, and she brought my attention to a verse. I've read it before, I know, but I hadn't remembered it, maybe even hadn't even noticed it. Uh, describes God as, Isaiah 40, verse 12. God is the one who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. That's a great God. We're going to exalt our great God. Did you catch what's being said there? The oceans. The Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean, all the oceans, all the great lakes, all the little lakes, all the rivers, God holds in the hollow of his hands. All the waters of the world, that's how great God is. And the universe, how does he measure the universe? He just stretches out his arms in wide expanse, all the way, and that's just how wide the universe is to him. Our God's a great God. God almighty, God all-powerful. And we are going to rejoice in that, 
And we are going to over and over again remember that. There's going to be no room for ego in this church. No room for ego in this church. Ego, I, I love this acronym, edging God out. Every time we think we need to be the focus of attention, we've got to get things done my way, we're edging God out. We're going to exalt him. He, he is going to be the center of it all. So we, we lift him up. The second thing we do is we bow down before him. Uh, we read that in verse number five of Psalm 99 as well. Uh, the New Living Translation says, we bow down before his feet. We bow down before his feet. New American Standard Version says, we worship at his footstool. I like the New Living Translation. We bow down before him. We bow down before his feet. Uh, catch the picture here. God is big. And what are we doing? We are bowing down, getting down on our knees, making ourselves as small as possible in his presence. We make him big with our voices of worship and praise. We make him big with our actions. But we also make sure he's big by making sure we're small. We bow down before him. We get low before him. The third thing we do in terms of uh, exalting God, verse number six, is we call upon the Lord. Every time as an individual or every time as a church we gather together to pray, we are exalting God. Because what we are declaring every time we pray, every time we go to seek God's face, we are saying, God, we are relying upon you. We are depending upon you. If my people shall humble themselves and pray, the act of calling out to God actually exalts him because it is, again, us making us sm ourselves small. It's us acknowledging our great need and our great dependency upon him. And the fourth way we'll exalt God, uh, Psalm 99 and verse number 7, is uh, we're going to keep his testimonies and his statutes. See, we don't approach God's word at the neighborhood church uh, with the attitude that says, yeah, God's word says that, but I think. We're not going to approach God that way. We're going to approach God's word and God's statutes, uh, not with, yeah, but I think, because as soon as we do that, we're dismissing God and we're making ourselves God. We're going to love his word, know his word, and we're going to do our best, God being our helper, to live it out. Uh, Worship, singing songs, shouting unto God, dancing in his presence. Yes, yes, yes. But we're going to exalt him in our daily lives, the going in and the coming out, the decisions of every day. So we as a church are going to exalt God. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to Enjoy him. So let me take you back to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Question one, what is the chief end of man? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Everybody say, exalt and enjoy. Say it right now. Exalt 
and enjoy. One more time, exalt and enjoy. That's what our church is going to be known for. We're going to exalt God, and we are going to enjoy God around here. I uh, have been thinking about enjoying God a lot over the last uh, number of weeks. And surprisingly, when you begin to think about enjoying God, it just shows up every time you open your Bible. Psalm 37, verse 4. These are just some verses I have read myself in the last uh, two weeks or so of my time alone with Jesus. Delight yourself in the Lord. What are we going to do? Psalm 37, verse 4. We are going to delight ourselves in the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 4. We used to sing this a lot. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We are going to rejoice in the Lord. Always. We're going to find great delight in him. Psalm 16, verse 11. We looked at this in the summer Psalter. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. We are meant to be enjoying God. In him is fullness of joy. Psalm 64, verse 10, contemporary English version. May the Lord bless his people with peace and happiness and let them celebrate. We are going to be celebrating people who just delight in God and enjoy him. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I read this this week, my walk, early morning walk. Psalm 70, verses 4 and 5. Uh, contemporary English version again. Let your worshipers celebrate and be glad because of you. They love your saving power, so let them always say, God is wonderful. God is wonderful. We're going to delight in the wonderfulness of God. Psalmist goes on and says, I'm poor and needy. But Lord, you care about me. We know he cares about us, so what are we going to do? We're going to celebrate him. And we are going to declare that God is wonderful. I think uh, often we lose sight of that. I've gone into churches, and God help us not be this kind of a place at the neighborhood, where I felt the people worshiping, uh, didn't really look like they were enjoying God. They looked more like, and we used this phrase last weekend, they looked more like uh, rushing judges, Russian, Russian judges at an ice skating competition. Everything was very serious, and we need to make sure we don't miss anything that's being done wrong. We're going to enjoy God. We're going to enjoy God. Our posture sometimes... <laughs> really hurts us. And some of us have a spiritual posture where, where we're fighting for our spirituality. We're fighting to be spiritual. I am, if it kills me, going to read my Bible today. I'm going to overcome my lust. Fight, fight, fight. I'm going to overcome. I am going to fight for spirituality. I am going to be a godly person. I, I want to suggest to all of us that the best posture for us is a posture where we are delighting in God. 
And when we learn to delight in God, the rest of the stuff, the rest of the stuff seems to look after itself. The best possible posture for me to live in is a posture of delight. So, Pastor Don and I celebrated earlier this summer our 44th wedding anniversary. That means that we are now in our 45th year of marriage. Don't tell her. But one of these days, I want to come home with 45 roses. I'm not going to walk into the house. I'm going to ding the doorbell. And when I ding the doorbell, she'll come down the stairs, and I'm going to hand her about $200 worth of roses. And she's going to say, what did you do that for? And I'll say, it's my duty. I read it in a marriage manual. And it's not going to be well received. Let's reverse the story back a little bit. I'm going to come home. I'm going to have 45 roses. I'm going to ring the doorbell. She's going to come down. And uh, I'm going to give her 45 roses. And she's going to say, what did you do that for? What did you do that for? And I'm going to say, this isn't all I'm doing. I want you to go find that pretty red dress, and we're going to go out for supper, and I'm going to spend the whole evening uh, with you because nothing makes me happier than to be with you. And what's she going to say? Ah, it's all about you. It's always what makes you happy. No, she's going to be delighted in that because I am saying nothing matters to me more than you. Nothing brings me more delight than you. The neighborhood church, we are going to be people who delight in God. Just love him, love his presence, and love being with him. It's a little bit frustrating how long it takes to figure things out. I've been pastoring for 45 years. And I honestly really feel like I'm only now beginning to get it. And I'm realizing that what we need to understand is God's great love for us and we just need to learn to enjoy him and delight in him. Has to be who we are. Has to be who we are as a church. We're going to exalt and enjoy God. We're going to exalt and enjoy God. I don't think there's anything more important for us to pass on 
to our kids and our grandkids. I don't think there's anything more powerful we can bring to our community than this culture of exalting God and enjoying him. I don't think our kids need to turn 18 and 20 and 22 and think, well, I, I guess I'm going to be a Christian, so I need to make sure I read my Bible every day. I need to, I need to make sure I have a prayer time. I need to make sure I'm giving lots of my money to God. And none of those things are wrong, and they're probably helpful. But we do our children and our grandchildren and our community much, a much bigger favor if we can teach them to enjoy God and to delight in him. The worship band comes in a moment, and let's just enjoy God. Let's just delight in him together. But I want to close, close with uh, Jesus' words. Uh, in verse number 11 of John 15. These things have I spoken to you. This is after pages of red letters here. These things have I spoken to you, John 15, verse 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The heart of Jesus, the heart of the Father, is that our joy might be, his joy might be in us and our joy might be full. Culture of the neighborhood, number one. We're going to exalt God and we're going to enjoy him. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.